Welcome to the Dirt Reporters podcast for the week of November 17th, where we are coming off uh, yet another big weekend of big money racing with uh, both Sonoya Raceway hosting the Peach State Classic and the Duel in the Desert at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner here as always with the rest of the DOD editorial staff, Kevin Kovac, Todd Turner, and Robert Holman to discuss uh, all things Dirt Lake Model Racing, which is this this week has to do with those two big events and uh, we've got some other topics we're going to discuss uh, this week with with so many big races going on specifically 50,000 win races or more we figured it'd be a good time to kind of talk about um, you know how that kind of resets the perspective of uh, for the sport with these big money races and what it means to to win a big money race these days so uh, I'll start uh, with you Kevin and you were out in Vegas covering the uh, the duel in the desert and uh, just kind of I'll let you know how was how was your weekend did you did you make it any casinos or did you spend it all at the dirt track <laughs> I never made it to a casino. Uh, it's uh, I stayed near the track, and I mean, there's obviously casinos everywhere in Las Vegas. I could have there was one a couple miles down the road, you know, but uh, I never went. I never went downtown. There was so much stuff going. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on, and and down on the strip there with football game and music festival and everything. So I'm like, oh, I'm not bothering with all that stuff. And uh, not that I'm not a gambler anyway, so I don't know. I mean, I know I know some drivers and teams did go downtown. Some of them were staying downtown. Somebody told me, I forget who it was, and they said that they stayed in the same hotel that the Kansas City Chiefs stayed in. They went, yeah, we had Pat, Pat Mahomes was in our uh, in our hotel. Um, uh, like the, you know, when they came, in, I guess on Friday, the teams came in or Saturday, but, uh, but I, I stayed away. My only trip, my only little thing was I headed over to the Hoover dam on Sunday before coming home and which was pretty neat. It was pretty, that's a pretty impressive, uh, 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 uh structure there. That's for sure. And there's a lot, a lot of people go there too. So, but that's where I went. Uh, so I stayed away, but the racing was, uh, um, it was pretty good, actually. I mean, I like that. There was, there was kind of a little worried going, going in because there was a lot of people that seen what was going on with uh, uh, the first few modified nights when there was a lot of modifieds there. And um, and the track, is, it got shiny. It got, and, and then it was just a little bit of late model practice at the end of the nights, and the track had gotten rubbered. A lot of the, the drivers that did practice with the late models said they really they couldn't learn too much because toward the end of the night it was rubbered. But uh, for Friday and Saturday, they watered the track I mean, heavily. I mean, it did make it really soupy and muddy and slimy for hot laps. I mean, hot laps, you know, had it, there was some, some complaining, of course, you know, because some drivers like, well, the track, uh, when they did get to the time trials, you know, the track did kind of change, kind of, it came around from those guys from the beginning to the end that really changed uh, uh, the speed. And so they were a little angry at that, but uh, it, it was still, it wasn't like there was 60 cars there and you couldn't make up for anything there too. I mean, it was, I think guys that did have a bad time trial were able to make it up in the heat. And, um, and it was, it was, uh, it was kind of, it was unbelievable. Uh, uh, the, the racing, I wouldn't say unbelievable. The racing was good. It came around very well. The track by time feature time came, uh, the track widened out. There was a cushion. There was a bottom. I mean, it, you, you couldn't really ask for much more. I thought it was a tri- tire wear didn't seem to be a problem. There was some problems, I guess, with some uh, you know guys cutting tires. I don't know if they were running over something, running over rocks or something. But uh, racing-wise, it, it was pretty good. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, Jonathan Davenport got the win there on Friday for $25,000, I believe the opener was. And then Bobby Pierce winning the 50 grand finale and doubling up. Uh, 
the big money for a hundred grand with the uh, double down, triple crown there uh, for him. Uh, Todd, I want to know uh, if you had to bet. And I, you know, I'm not saying you're a betting man, but if you were and you had to bet on one drive, one of the drivers that was eligible for the uh, double down and to get the hundred thousand dollar payday, did you have your money on Bobby Pierce or was it on someone else? I think it probably would have been on Overton, although although Pierce is capable. I mean, it was uh, you know no huge surprise, especially seeing how good he was Friday. Um, of course, Davenport, who wasn't a bonus uh, potential guy, ended up being uh, coming where he he was close to having a chance at a sweep after winning Friday, but then running into trouble. But I guess all things being equal, Pierce clearly came out uh, over all of the weekend. You know, he and Davenport appeared to have the two best cars. So, I mean, that's great for Pierce. I mean, I, you know, but we talked, I guess, I don't know, maybe in Fast Talk a couple weeks ago about bonuses and how they work and and, and such, uh, you know, how they spice up purses. This is a, an interesting way to do it. I, I, in all honesty, I was surprised it was just four guys that had a chance who had been at all the XR uh, promoted races uh, before this. But uh, uh, but that's an interesting way to do it. And that's a, that's a lot of money. You know, it's not like uh, it's not like, oh, you get an extra thousand if you win a heat race or, or, you know, just some little lame thing. I mean, doubling your payday and doubling on, no matter what you get. So even even a guy who had not the greatest weekend, hey, you get oh, that's you know twice your money, a little bit extra money. So it's an interesting develop uh, way to develop the purse. And uh, yeah, Pierce, uh, yeah, he was talking about it right in Victory Lane right after he won. How you know he's driving around thinking, wow, this is gonna be a hundred thousand dollars, getting a little, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like his palms are starting to sweat a little bit. But he uh, he uh, put that out of mind and, and finished it off there. So uh, yeah, big big payday and. Really uh, capped off. Uh, well, he's got the dome ahead of him, but really capped off uh, a pretty uh, a pretty excellent season and and arguably his best. Yeah, definitely uh, added some some shine or luster to his year. Uh, was as we kind of discussed there as we're uh, kind of talking about our um, best of uh, lineups and top fives and everything. It definitely changed the perspective quite a bit on that. What was already a good year for him. Uh, is is much much better after that. And uh, another interest interesting thing you mentioned, Todd, was the just the uniqueness of that bonus and the the doubling the the uh, the purse for the guys with perfect attendance. And I think um, I think other people have kind of taken notice of that. And I've heard uh, there's a couple regional tours that are looking into having a big end of the year race where they reward their guys for um, uh, perfect attendance by basically already having a big race at the end of the year, but then doubling the guys with perfect attendance, the series regulars, doubling their um, their potential payout so uh, for that one race so that's it's an interesting uh, promotional technique that um, they kind of hit on there the XR bunch did that that uh, seems interesting but uh, Robert what what about you what's your takeaway from from the weekend uh, there was you paying attention to what was going on out in Vegas uh, you know I was uh, definitely my eyes were were more focused on Sonoya but uh, but you know I was keeping up with uh, what was going on and reading Kevin's stories and and the winners and, and looking at that sort of stuff. Um, I really felt like, you know, when, when Davenport wins on Friday, I thought, here we go again, another sweep. I really felt that way. Uh, I just, I just thought that, you know, by doing that, he, he really set himself up for a, a great weekend. It would have been, I guess what a $75,000 weekend for him. So, then it didn't materialize, and I, I was the the race on Saturday. I was definitely focused elsewhere because I was, you know, 
um, covering the, the Sonoy race from home, helping out with that deal. And then I looked to see that Bobby Pierce won, and I'm like, oh, wow. I just didn't uh, – I don't know. I think that we've been so focused on, on Davenport and Overton for so long this season that when anybody else does win, it's like, oh, he won, you know? And so I, I think that's kind of was my reaction to, to that. But, uh, you know, and, and regardless, kudos to to Pierce for sure. I mean, that put a stamp. That's a big stamp on, on a, an already uh, really good season for, for Pierce and his family. And, you know, when you have a family-owned team and a family-owned car, regardless of the sponsorship you get, that money even goes further as opposed to someone when you're driving for someone and, and you have to either present it out or, or, or split it or, or whatever. I was just doing some math, believe it or not, using a calculator, uh, not my fingers and toes. And we're talking about, we talk about, about the bonus. Todd kind of mentioned how, how, and you mentioned uh, yourself, Joshua, about some regional tours and, and how that, is a unique way to reward drivers and a bonus and stuff. Well, the other, the two national tours sort of do reward their guys with perfect attendance because you get that travel money. If you race sick, if you're in the top 10 and you're right and you got perfect attendance or whatever, I'm not, I don't know the ins and outs of exactly how it works, but if it's $700 over the course of 60 races at the end of the year, that's $42,000. That's nothing to sneeze at right there. So you might not get it all at one chunk, but you're guaranteed 40 plus thousand dollars if you stay with one of these national tours. And I'm not advocating, you know, one way or the other, go the national tour because there are pros and cons of both. And I don't hate uh, this setup with, with this, what XR is doing, but it just, it should be known that, hey, if you go to every national tour at the end of the year, you add that up, you've got an extra 40 something thousand dollars in your coffers there because you, you did support that tour. So, you know, let's not overlook that. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, and we'll talk about this in, in, in a little bit when we talk about the, uh, the increase in payouts. Um, it's, it's t- getting harder and harder to get, get teams and, and guys to, to races uh, and there's got to be almost an added benefit uh, of some kind there in a lot of in a lot of ways and a lot of a lot of even big money events um, these days. But uh, uh, one thing I was going to mention that you guys uh, or um, Robert that you mentioned how if it's not Overton or Davenport winning, it's almost a surprise. And in the the uh, I guess the statistics back that up because I was noticing today as I was doing the top 25 poll, writing writing up the uh, information on that that they literally combined to top the poll every week except for the uh, the preseason poll, which Brandon Shepard um, uh, was on the number one in. So one of them was number one all year long. So that kind of does define what you were mentioning there. That stood out to me. But anyway, yeah, it was a very uh, interesting weekend out there. I was like you, Robert. I didn't, wasn't able to spend a whole lot of time watching it. Also, I don't, you know, how people talk about in football, the Pac-12 doesn't get much attention from the media because of the late <laughs> late finishes and start times. I feel like that maybe had a little bit to do with it. I was at Sonoa this weekend busy there and also was on eastern time zone and and you know seemed a little later but uh kevin do you have something else you wanted to add about uh vegas out there 
I'll just add something too about like what you just said about the Pacific time zone uh, racing out there. Uh, well, thankfully, I mean, it, it could have been a lot later uh, actually like for, for the East coasters watching, uh, but they had changed the, the officials changed the, the format a little bit, the, the schedule for each of the late model days, which originally they late models were going to be last on the schedule with the feature each night. So that was going to be a bunch of late mo- uh, modified heats on modified heats on sat on Saturday were seven modified heats. So uh, that would have been quite a, a longer uh, duration there waiting for the late models to get out there for their finale. So they changed that. So the late models ran first. And and, and I mean, I, I've, uh, you know, I've been critical of some of the XR races with like how they've run the races, like where the I mean, these late models are obviously they're, they're kind of shoehorned in with a big race in the middle of all these other support divisions and you're waiting so long to see this main race and got, got to give them credit for this weekend where they, they'd made the changes and it was a much more uh, uh, enjoyable, I think, and much more uh, a fun way to watch it for fans because they didn't have to wait so long to see the late models. Uh, I mean, even on Saturday, I, I, I really liked the way the schedule went Saturday where they ran two heats for the modifieds. Then the late model heats, two more heats for the modifieds, then the late model B, and then they finished off the modified heats and ran the late model feature. And it was over by a little after nine o'clock. And then, I mean, I, that's that's the way I always like schedules to go where you don't have to. I mean, the, the other divisions could run until five in the morning, but the main headliner, the one that everyone has come to see, well, you know, the 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 one that's supposed to be the one everybody comes to see the big money. Uh, you weren't worn out by the time that came out. The late models were never off the track very long and much more crisp and uh, an enjoyable show. And, uh, and another two little comments, I guess, from uh, from Las Vegas. To, how about how about a bad night for Brandon Overton? I haven't really mentioned that, too. He was if he would have won on uh, he got a second on, on Friday night. But if he would have won on Saturday uh, and he was starting on the front row on the outside pole, uh, he could have been right up to. He would have been on the verge of one million dollars. He was. He's got about eight hundred and ninety thousand now. I guess he's won, and he'd have won that hundred thousand dollar bonus. And uh, he has his left front wheel fall off on the pace lap. I mean, on the home. I I, I, I was like, what the heck just happened there? I I look over and there's there's Overton sitting on the home stretch with his wheel running through the infield. Um, and, and that was uh, a, a, un, a very rare event. There are not many bad nights for uh, for uh, Brandon Overton all year. I mean, but he's he's the guy that was able to, you know, I mean, he's like, hey, we're, we accept what happened. I mean, it was our fault, you know, and we're just going to make sure that doesn't happen again. And man, uh, that that's a it's a tough one, tough one to swallow there because it was tough sledding coming up back through the pack. He, he's not a guy that said like he goes, I'm not a guy that's going to be sliding everybody and really bound, pouncing off that cushion to make something happen. Um, and, and, you know, it's also about one last thing on Bobby Pierce. I mean, that, that puts him over a half a million dollars in earnings this year. Uh, pretty good for, uh, you know, he won some good point fund money with the summer nationals and also the, you know, dirt car, uh, you know, national title, uh, re, you know, weekly racing uh, deal. So uh, pretty good, pretty good deal for him. And, and that hundred thousand, they were him and his father are both talking about it. Like when it comes at the end of the year like this, it's almost, I mean, it's, it's basically like a, you know, a, a point fund money. You I mean, he didn't run a national tour to get money. Uh, uh, like uh, Brandon o- Brandon uh, Shepard just won a hundred thousand dollars last week, you know, from the World of Outlaws, and here's a hundred thousand dollars that uh, Bobby Pierce goes home with, pays a lot of bills, and really gets him set up for next year. Yeah, definitely a a good payday for for Pierce and his team. And and I'll, I'll mention one thing with Overton. The the thing that makes that even more 
uh, heartbreaking for him is, you know, starting second. Even if he doesn't win that, he's still going to have a nice payday if he finishes. You got to think he finishes probably top three uh, there at least, and that's still going to be a nice payday for the the, the double down triple uh, double down deal um, that he missed out on. So definitely a rare uh, bad luck thing for him when he's had such uh, not only been so uh, uh, dominant this season, but really had nothing go wrong uh, most of the way for him. So. The other uh, big weekend, big race on the weekend, of course, was the Peach State Classic, the inaugural Peach State Classic at, at Sanoa Raceway. And I think I think I heard at, while I was there that I've been pronouncing Sanoa uh, wrong the entire time. That it's Sanoi, uh, I think, is how it's supposed to be said. I don't I don't know. There was like four different ways people were at because it brought it brought in a lot of people that had never been there before. Um, you know, including the, uh, like Ben Shelton and um, Dustin Jarrett and some of the other folks on Flow. And we were all trying to figure out how to say it, and apparently I've been wrong this whole time, so still not clear on that. But anyway, that was a big weekend there. Chris Madden gets a, a $52,000 payday. Um, I didn't realize it, but Madden hadn't won in almost six months. It, it was uh, mid-May, I think, since he won. Uh, and back then we were talking about you know, him being a potential challenger. He was a potential challenger to Brandon Shepard in the Outlaws title chase. I think he was within, I looked it up, he was right around 25 points uh, on his uh, when he got his last win back in May. Um, and then, you know, he kind of faded towards the end and ended up pretty far behind him, still second, which is good, but wasn't the second half of the season Madden wanted. And then to, to kind of, to really get a nice victory at the end of the year to to, to kind of boost uh, him and his team going into offseason, I'm sure was a, a good uh, good deal for him. Uh, Robert, I know you co- uh, was was helping out with the remote coverage of the event. Um, you know, what what was your take on 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 the Peach State Classic, the inaugural uh, Peach State Classic weekend? Any any takeaways there that you noticed? Well, for the record, if it is Sonoy, I've been pronouncing it wrong myself because some people, uh, you know, what they were saying is, hey, you're pronouncing it wrong. The A is silent. Well. Maybe not. Maybe the I is silent. Maybe it's Sanoa, the way I've been pronouncing it for years, which clearly I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to continue to say Sanoa, and you just have to bear with me because I know no better. So, well, I'll, I'll so, say real quick there are some people around there that uh, have it, it's just snow, snow, and it becomes snow. And it's just, I don't know, it's just weird. <laughs> like, I don't know exactly how it's pronounced. Some, maybe someone, uh, a, a local person that knows for sure can, can let us know. But anyway. I don't, no offense to any of our, our Georgia and South Carolina listeners, but they tend to run some of their track names like together or real fast. And it's, it's very confusing to me anyway. I've been in some press boxes and they're like, are you going to such and such tomorrow? And I'm like, what? And it's actually a track that I've been to two or three times and I was, you know. So anyway, it's Sanoa. I was paying attention. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, you're, you guys are spot on with the fact that it was a, a great, is a boon for Madden and a confidence builder. Because Madden is the type of driver who never really seems that he's not confident. He always the type of driver that seems that when he shows up, he feels like he is going to win the race. In fact, you kind of get that vibe from, from Chris Madden that, that when he's at a racetrack, he is the best racer in the world. I mean, don't you feel like, I don't know if, if I'm the only person that gets that vibe, but I feel like that he gives off, he has that confidence that I'm, I'm the best and I should win this race. Well, you go six, seven months, I don't care who you are, you go six, seven months without a win, and all of a sudden, I really feel like your confidence, sometimes 
even if you don't exude that in public, sometimes your confidence begins to, to wane a little bit and you start to question things. And I don't and I don't really think maybe that Chris questioned his ability. But if you look at his comments about how he was always rebuilding, always rebuilding. And if you look at those comments and take take those, I feel like that every time he was rebuilding, he probably felt like, OK, here we go again. And I've got to I got to prove this all over again. And I don't ever I don't doubt for a minute that he felt like he could prove he was a, a, one of the best, one of the elite drivers in the sport. But I, I feel like that in his mind, he was probably thinking, OK, here we go again. I got to prove the naysayers wrong again. We're starting over again. And, you know, he like you said, he went six, seven months, whatever, without a win. And I just feel like it was it's a great boost for him financially. It's a great boost for him mentally. Confidence builder going into next year and is kind of can say like, hey, I just I just finished second in the world outlaws. But nobody has been talking about me for months. Nobody's mentioned my name, but I just finished second, you know, to Brandon uh, Shepard there in the world outlaws. So I feel like that with with his performance there he kind of put a stamp on his season that says okay don't forget about me we've got this thing going on in the right direction and we are capable of competing night in and night out uh just because these top fives haven't been victories we're still here i feel like that's kind of what i got from chris madden you know and and obviously from ashton winger for everything he said from the Facebook post to the meet to social media to what he said in victory lane, it was just heartbreaking. And, and I'm not going to say devastating, but you got to think he expected to win one of those two races. And he was hoping I'm sure to win the big one, but you know that he was expecting to win one of those two events and to not do that at his home track. I think for him, uh, it was very, disappointing and probably pretty emotional you know that just like because he had the weight of the world we've been talking about him for two three since he won the world of outlaws race there we've been talking about ashton winger so he's kind of had the weight of the world on him and then to not get that done there i think is very emotional for a, a young kid who who is easygoing and outspoken and and always got a smile on his face and also was basically wears these emotions on his sleeve you know and i think it was obvious with with that uh with with uh, with uh ashton there that he was so disappointed that he didn't get that done what what you got there yeah yeah i was gonna say i talked to him after both nights and 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 to be honest he it was to make it even more frustrating for him is he was probably close to the fastest car um i think he qualified first in his group and maybe fast overall one of the nights uh but his heat races just didn't go his way and uh it made it you know on 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 fr uh, Friday there, I didn't see his heat race Saturday, um, but on Friday, I, his was, uh, this, the, he was on the bottom in the top. Everybody won the, the race to the, uh, off of turn two on the top. Um, you know, and I felt, I think he felt frustrated along with being disappointed that he didn't win those races that really, uh, he was kind of a, a favorite to there. I think everyone's favorite to, um, you know, kind of a missed opportunity for him, but still it's been, been a heck of a year for him and still two, two solid performances by him there uh at at uh his home track and um so yeah it it, it really these two big weekends i feel like every week we talk and we're talking about big races here big races there there's really no uh no break in the big races and this weekend was obviously a good um todd you correct me is it sinoy 
I think. <laughs> anyway, we're trying to figure it out, and so I'll just type it in our chat as we're talking here, throwing me off. But um, but I did want to discuss kind of how these these big big paydays, and there being so many to the point that we're having multiple uh you know fifty plus thousand to win races on the same weekend uh this this year and, and some other weekends we have uh you know other big money uh double big money races how does it affect you know the the prestige of these races and, and not only the prestige but the how what it means to win one of these races with all the uh you know the as the purses increase and and todd i'll start with you on that what's the uh kind of what any thoughts on that perspective on on what it means to win a fifty thousand to win race and uh and going in you know into 2021 and going into 2022 when there's so many of them out there uh, I think it's going to be different. It's hard, hard to tell. I know Kevin, and he may talk about this earlier. He's kind of talked about being at some of these races. It's like, it doesn't feel like the big race. Like, like we're often accustomed to like knowing a certain amount of money is going to bring a certain amount of prestige or a certain amount of excitement or crowd or whatever. And now we're, we're kind of, I think we're going to have to kind of reset that next year. Uh, already in 2022, I believe there's, 17 races are going to pay 50 or more on our schedule so far. And there might be a few in there and that's not counting Eldora races. The, they haven't officially been announced. So we didn't list those with their purses yet. So we're looking at 20 something races. Uh, whereas a number of years ago, it was, you know, a handful. I mean, not, not, not a whole lot. And, 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 and so we're going to go from kind of a, you know, if we have, I don't know if you call that a bell curve or whatever, anyway, it's going to shoot way up and, in, in the number of races we have that pay that much. So it, in some ways, it can't be the same. Now, a driver who wins $50,000, I mean, that's great. He's going to appreciate the money and stuff. But, I, you know, I mean, there were 30 cars in Las Vegas on Saturday, for instance. So, I mean, it's not going to be where, oh, well, they're putting $50,000 up. There's going to be, you know, 80 cars at all these races. It's just going to be a little different. And I think we're going to have to kind of judge that. And maybe in some ways, uh, that will be a, a benefit to these traditional races, you know, kind of the traditional, you know, the show me's and those that are also raising their money, but, but they also have more years behind them. And, and, and so such, uh, I, I will say, I think the word ground jewel is going to go out the window. Cause I think everybody's going to use crown jewel for anything that they think pays a lot of money. And that, and that's not the point of that. And maybe that is, maybe that, that term will just go out of, out of fashion or just because it's meaningless if you use it for 50 races. I mean, you can't, you can't call everything a crown jewel. Otherwise the, the, the crown jewels go on the crown. You would have to have an enormous crown. So we, we can't do that. Um, anyway, I, I, I mean, I, I think, Kev, you know, I think Kevin will probably talk about that uh, like he has before about, yeah, these aren't all just because of the money. They're not going to feel the same. So yeah, I'm interested to see what you guys think. Kevin, Kevin, what's your, your take on that? Any uh, perspective there on the uh, the overabundance of big money races or, uh, or or too many crown jewels on the crown, uh, too heavy for the head, as they would say? Yeah, like for start off, hey, there, there's nothing wrong with having more than we, we, we all of us will agree on that. There's nothing wrong with having 20 some uh, $50,000 to win races uh, for the financial part of, of a racer. I mean, we've been hearing racers forever say, oh, races don't pay enough. The races don't pay enough, you know, and and uh, and, and really you look at it, I mean, most most races are these $50,000 to win races are about the only ones that even approach uh, the winners take equaling out to how much a motor costs. I mean, it's like that's I've always thought like that. I'm like, 
wow, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I've, I've had guy teams like complaining about, oh, these motor, we got four, you know, motors are caught, saw so much in motor and car. And then, and I, I remember saying to the one crew guy one time, like, well, how many motors do you have? And he goes, I got, we got four, you know, and they're all over $50,000 motors, you know? And, and I'm like, well, how many races do you run that, that actually would pay for one of those motors? And he's like, well, maybe a handful, you know? I mean, it's like, it's really a kind of a crazy business, uh, uh, idea like uh, for racing, you know, like if you're going to be racing so much, spending so much on motors and you never, ever run races that would even pay for one of them. So, but now there is money more that will actually give you some payback, it seems like, and, and give you a shot. I mean, it's going to be the top teams, obviously. I mean, that, that goes back to the question of like, you know, distributing the money better or whatever, but, uh, but uh, the thing that I would say about, like, I would totally agree with Todd with the crown jewel uh, talk. Uh, like, I mean, how how do you you can't call twenty some races crown jewels? It's it's just not happening. You know, like, it's there that will really, <laughs> if the word even if the the phrase even stays there, it has to go to those those uh, uh, events that are like the established long time races that pay that much money. Like something new on the docket can't pay $50,000 and become an immediate crown jewel when there's uh, so many of them, you know, I mean, we're, we're going to be a, a, a giant abundance of, of, of 50,000 to win shows great for the pocketbooks of, of race teams, uh, that win them. Uh, but, uh, dilutes it a little bit, you know, uh, for the whole scene of it, like where, man, uh, even if you're a fan saying like, man, like I'm, I'm going to get to one of them big shows that pays 50 grand. I want to get to one of them and see the guy pick the big money check, you know? And, and now, I mean, you only had a few opportunities. I mean, I can go, I'll go to USA nationals. I'll go to Florence. I'll, I'll go to Eldora, I'll, you know, and the, the dirt track world championship. Now, I mean, there's a lot of different choices. Uh, if you want to see a $50,000 to win race, if that's what uh, floats your boat as a fan, so um, it, it's it is recalibrating things here a little bit, but uh, you know, good for the finances, but it kind of thro- makes it a little different. I mean, it's going to make ten thousand dollar win races look like they're five thousand dollars or something now, really, uh, when when things keep going up. But I mean, that's that is the way things. If I mean, it's been fifty thousand has been the top line for a long time. It's like ten thousand was the the regular kind of race top line for a while. So maybe it is time to get the you know I don't know, minimum wage of the late racer racer big races up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I'll uh, jump in and add. You kind of mentioned the what these races are doing, the trickle down effect. Uh, I guess you could say that they're having, and you know, I, I feel like I have a little bit of a you know unique perspective on that as uh, both my my brothers having a race team, and you know, through um, the, the actually the King of the Sandbox race coming up this weekend at Southern Raceway, being involved in promoting a race, uh, kind of on both sides of that in promoting a race, we've got twenty five thousand dollars in winners pay going on out here. Um, and it's just, I can tell and talking to drivers, you know, we have, we're going to hopefully have a decent field, uh, and some decent names, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't really affect it's, It doesn't have the same effect as it would have, you know, even two or three years ago, definitely five years ago. Um, you know, it's not going to have, you know, draw the same names and draw the same interest from drivers as it would, because there's so many other options, uh, you know, throughout the year, uh, you know, to, to go race for good money. Um, so it's definitely having a, an effect on, you know, these, like you said, the regional, uh, you know, events, like we talked a little bit about these late season specials and how it's, it's more difficult now to get national names to those races. And like I said, I'm kind of learning that, that firsthand and trying to get guys down here. And I get it's also a little out of the way, uh, to come down here, but it's going to be beautiful. 
uh, weather is supposed to be, knock on wood, but if you're looking for something to do, come on down, 70 and sunny, but uh, talk more about that later. But anyway, um, and then um, from the drivers, my brother won a, you know, the 50,000 to win uh, Super B100 crate race, so a little different, but it it still means a lot in, in the, the money financially, obviously means a lot, especially to, you know, my, my family's team that's a, you know, a little lower budget and, and doesn't have uh, the, the same uh, funds as, as others. It definitely went a long way, but it does kind of feel lost in, um, you know, in everything. Whereas I think back to, I think Overton, Brandon Overton um, won a $50,000 crate race at Virginia Motor Speedway a few years ago. It seemed like a, a bigger deal, whereas now it's just a kind of another 50, you know, $50,000 race. It is a little more unique because it's a, you know, not a, a really known name winning it. I think anytime it's a guy getting his career high payday or, um, you know, it was something that's a really big win for him. It's, it makes it a little more unique, but it just doesn't have the same, uh, you know, buzz about it that a, a $50,000 race would have a few years ago. Robert, what about you? What do you think? Any, any take there on the, uh, the abundance of big money races we're seeing in the sport? Well, naturally I'm going to jump back on my soapbox and hope that, as these purses go up and these first place prize monies go up across the board that the money throughout the field goes up because you know there's no problem with the rich getting richer as long as everyone else can eat there's no there's no problem with that so if you have a 50,000 40,000 50,000 dollar to win race the purse from top to bottom it really has to match that or you're or you're really you're selling drivers short because I look at it like, I, you know, I have three motors myself. I have two crate motors and I have a, a like a spec, spec motor, Southern All-Star spec motor. I'm not rich. I didn't buy them all at once. Uh, you know, they're not high dollar pieces. But suppose I take my, my spec motor and I feel like I can go to this race that's paying $50,000. And because there's so many of them now, they're not going to have 60 cars. I might can sneak into this race and and make the starting lineup whether I finish second in a consolation race or how or I have a get lucky and get in a good, good group or however it is I sneak in I'm starting 18th or 20th in this in this race with my little spec motor I don't want a 50,000 to win race to still pay $1,000 to start if I'm out here spending the same money on tires I have the same um you know uppers lowers rear end i have the same as everybody else i'm paying the same amount of money for my fuel my pit pass costs the same it could really help regional teams and lower budget teams if that race pays two thousand three thousand dollars to start because if a race think about it if a guy that's only he's won five or ten races he's won 20 races but they've all been two thousand or three thousand dollar to win races then all of a sudden he's getting to race start money what he's used to race for to win that is a big difference and a big help to regional racers and lower funded teams so it's not just it's not just the top as, as everybody looks at for drivers at least uh it really would help if those bottom if the middle to the bottom matches you know increases like the top does now i will say this i talked with i talked with the promoter last week and he said that he had he's his drivers have come to him and said hey won't you spread the money throughout the field more and he says okay i'm gonna try that this year i'm gonna try it this year but 
if it doesn't work, because he said, I've got to still have the fans. I, the fans look at that big number. They look at the number on top. They say, oh, it's a big face, 50,000 to win. I'm going to that. The fans don't care what last place pays. They could care less. And that's fine. They're fans. They're not having to foot the bills for these teams. But they don't care what last place is paying. So the guy, the promoter, basically tells me, I'm going to continue to – I'm going to help the guys on the bottom unless it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, then I'm going to go back to the way I, w- I was doing it and advertise how much it pays and pay more to win because I've got to have the fans there. And he said in the absence of having that 10000 20000 30000 to win across the top of his ad or whatever, he's going to add up the purse now and, and blow that number up to fans hey i've got a sixty thousand dollar purse or eighty thousand dollar purse to make that you know it's all about advertising for these for these promoters to try to get fans in the stands so i do understand that big number but maybe they could take the approach of of this particular promoter and say hey it's a hundred eight thousand dollar purse and that would be kind of eye-popping and catch people's attention and get people to to show up that way Rather than just saying it pays twenty thousand to win or twenty five thousand dollars to win, that's that's one approach. You know, I just obviously I'm an advocate for the small guy, and I'm always gonna be. So you know, I just want the the bottom to kind of match the top in terms of how it increases. Yeah, there's got to be a balance there of uh, what makes sense, what's gonna draw. You know, when you're looking at it as a promoter, what you know what you want your event to be what uh you know what's going to draw the big names that you need or you feel like you need to draw the fans but also what's going to you know reward and and draw the uh the regional guys and local guys um you know when that are more looking to uh to to you know make the show and have a maybe a top 10 run and what they can look at look to receive for that so it's definitely a, a balance uh and we've obviously talked about that before um you know it's that the promoters have to work hard to hit and uh and still come out you know uh, hopefully in the good as far as uh, making some some money and making it profitable to have these events it, and it must be because they keep they keep popping up so uh, definitely some some interesting perspective there on that um, I you know we, this is finally it seems like the 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 end of the last uh, really big money weekend was past weekend with those races but we do still have some other races going on um, that used to would be considered probably you know big money between a uh, couple 20,000 win races coming up uh, this weekend and next uh, between Southern Raceway in Milton Florida and um, uh, Cochrane Motor Speedway in Cochrane Georgia and then of course we have the dome so plenty still to uh, still to look forward to um, you know as the season continues on into the holiday season almost. But uh, one thing I did want to talk about is a big weekend, as I mentioned, coming up. So I figured we'd all kind of talk for a, uh, a second of maybe one storyline that's standing out to you going into the weekend from one of these late season events going on. So uh, Todd, I'll start with you. Anything from this weekend kind of, or this weekend coming up that you're kind of looking forward to keeping an eye on any storylines or, or certain things going on at races uh, jumping out to you? Yeah, actually, I'll just pick out a little race to to promote a little bit. That that Springfield Raceway Turkey Bowl for a long time was just I don't know two thousand to win and not very big, and they've kind of crept up. It's up to five thousand to win this year, and that's really a that track is is really in a an area where it can draw you know quite a few cars. Some sometimes late in the season, the St. Louis guys will come over. Of course, all kind of that MLRA comp cams Mars bunch is around there. Logan Martin won won the race last year. So it's nice to see that race get a little more money and and get a chance uh, 
Um, you know, they've been on the summer nationals lately. They've been, been a little higher profile and this is a chance. Um, you know, there's a lot of racing this weekend overall, but not much in that area. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see how many cars they get. And if that race uh, continues to get a little bigger, uh, as the years go, of course, you know, it's November, we'll see how their weather does, but, uh, but that could be uh, one to watch. Yeah, always uh, this time of year, the weather has a uh, a large play on on what's going on at different races and how they pan out. Uh, Kevin, what about you? What's you got uh, on? What's got your eye going into the weekend? I mentioned in Fast Talk too this week. Uh, you know the the dirt extreme, the Drydeen Extreme Dirt Car Series kicks off again uh, with their, you know their uh, kind of mid mid uh, the, the the season that bridges the two seasons that the, as they kind of have it here. You know it goes November, December, January, and February that they'll have eight races scheduled and they run at a uh, down in South Carolina this weekend. You know uh, top the big one will be the Blue Gray 100 on Sunday uh, Sunday at a uh, Cherokee Speedway. Uh, and will Chris Matt, Chris, that's kind of been Chris Madden's playground the last couple of years. I think he's went, it's a uh, $20,000 or 15, whatever it is to win. I mean, it's, it's a pretty good money for some, some uh, uh, just a few races for the points for that deal. And then two years in a row, Madden's won it. Uh, he doesn't have Saturday's race on his schedule right now. So I'm not sure like if he's going to maybe not go to it or not go for the title or what I'm uh, you know, not positive of what he, what he's planning there, but uh, be kind of surprising if he doesn't when that's his race is right in his backyard and he's got some uh, decent money to kind of a nice little bonus almost because he would certainly be the favorite to win that championship again if he if he goes for it. So I'll be uh, kind of looking to see if uh, if, if Madden uh, will will go for a third one in a row and, and try to, you know, pad his bank account a little bit again during the during the winter months. Yeah, that does seem to kind of be right up his alley, but, you know, perhaps running the full World of Outlaw schedule this year and going into that, he might uh, need some time off, perhaps. Uh, who knows? But, uh, Robert, what about you? What do you got this weekend you're, you're watching? Uh, definitely have my eye, you know, kind of looking over there at uh, at Boyd Speedway, close to home. It's two hours away. It's a $5,000 to win the race. Chris Tilley's uh, Southern, uh, not Southern, uh, uh, Ironman Southern Series is coming in there to sanction the gobbler and and a lot of people will remember the, the gobbler to me the gobbler is one of those races that for years it was a go-to event when it was at cleveland speedway regularly had 70 plus cars show up don o'neill's come down and won that race and of course that name the gobbler is is kind of it's not really as as uh I guess on people's radar, like it used to be because there are so many races out there because so many other, you know, tracks have kind of picked up on what Cleveland did back in the day. But I know that Riley Hickman there at Boyd's has really been working. He started working on the track over the weekend. He's been working on it uh, relentlessly leading up to this race. So I'm hoping the weather holds out and I'm curious to see how many cars, I think they could still have a car count in the forties even. Uh, because that is just such a, a broad base for, for late model drivers. And I'm curious to see how many guys do kind of stick around and, and compete in that race versus maybe trickle down south where it's probably going to be a little bit warmer towards southern to to attend that race. So I'm, I'm just interested to see how many cars, as always, I'm always counting cars before I even leave the house. Uh, I'm interested to see how many cars that the race there at Boyd's is able to pull and, and, and I'd like, I'd love to see that race stay at one track, stay with one sanction and 
kind of try to get back to maybe pay eight, ten thousand dollars and get back to where that it used to be in terms. I don't think we're ever going back to 75 cars, but kind of get back to where it used to be in terms of, hey, there's going to be it's going to be 40, 45 cars at this race. You never know who's going to show up. And it's a good opportunity for a regional guy to pick up a decent payday going into the holidays. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely still, like I said, the regional guys, uh, still a good opportunity there. I'll say the one thing I'm obviously looking forward to is the race I'm involved in putting on down here, as you mentioned, Robert, at Southern Raceway, the king of the sandbox presented by Sweet Victory uh, Apparel Company. Um, as, as I mentioned on here many times, Southern Raceway is my home track where I grew up going to races, raced a little bit myself there uh in my younger days and um just kind of always like i said have that home track connection too um and had the opportunity to get involved in putting on this race uh it's going to be a 5,000 to win show on friday 20,000 to win show on uh on saturday and uh i think robert i think you meant i saw i think it was you that post or mentioned this in fast talk if i'm not mistaken but it could be an eclectic group of uh of entries i believe uh, it was either you or dj that said that i don't remember but i think that's going to be uh the good way to describe it we got a um i know ashton winger's planning on coming down uh gr smith's planning on coming down and uh got a, a, a uh, we got max blair already at the track getting ready for uh, this weekend um and then you got a, a good group of regional guys that'll come in and even a, a handful of locals so um should be uh should be an interesting one i know it'll be good cool for me to see it my, my home track ho- uh, hosting a, a pretty big pretty big race so uh, excited to see what goes there it goes on there and um and like you you mentioned the weather is supposed to be pretty nice down here so uh, forecast for saturday's calling for 70 is uh, 71 is the high and uh 50 for the low so after last weekend at sonoa with the uh the really cool temperatures it'd be nice to be at a track and and uh only maybe need a hoodie at night and be good otherwise so uh we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and finish up as we do every week with our one more thing where we kind of go back and uh, talk about something from the previous week uh, that that stood out to us, whether it be a result or a news item, something that just got our attention. And uh, I'll go back to Todd on this one to start it off uh, real quick. Todd, what do you got for one more thing? Well, I, when we were talking about how to pronounce these track names, I did check a few of those. And it's actually, it's Southern Raceway. It's not Southern Raceway, Joshua. I don't know. But Southern, I think, yeah. is the way they say so it. So for, for however long I've been talking, I've been pronouncing it <laughs> Incorrect. Okay, maybe you're right. <laughs> so my one more thing is about uh, I've been working out a lot of our year end stuff, and uh, and it, it's remarkable. No matter how much we all are all over results and races and at the racetrack and a million things, but whenever I'm combing through stuff for our year end results, uh, year end uh, recaps, you you stumble onto things like, oh wow, I didn't know that happened. Uh, for instance, there was uh, the track in Marysville, California. This is the first year in three years they started an, a late model program again, and I didn't know anything about it. So I kind of quickly go and update all the results they had this year and kind of include that in our Western capsule. But then so often things like that, and or or sometimes you're like, yeah, I knew that guy won some races, and then you start adding them up and like, oh my goodness, he won 12 races and much more. And and it goes the other way sometimes too. Somebody a big name, you think, oh yeah, he's always good. Oh wait, he only won one race this year. It's interesting. Uh, you know, it's hard, hard to kind of put your arms around the season until, until the end. And when you see all that stuff, uh, it's interesting. So it's a little, uh, a little promotion to look for all that stuff that our best stuff stuff starting in December. Uh, and, um, and, um, we'll see if we get it right or not, but, uh, it's fun to, fun to discover that new information. Yeah, there you go. Excited to see uh, all that best of coverage come together and, and see some of those nuggets that kind of jump out at you, as you said there. Uh, what about you, Robert? What do you got for one more thing? 
I think that it would be an absolute travesty if we did not mention the 604 crate race on Saturday at Sanoa. I think it would be absolutely, it'd just be wrong in so many ways. Jordy Nipper, they, they had a, a couple of cautions late in the race, I think, and they were, I don't know if it was a time limit deal, I can't remember, but I do know that they were, Jordy Nipper was leading the race and they're going green white at the same time, which is really tough because you think you've got one lap and it's hard enough to kind of hit your marks and get up to speed anyway and, and take sometimes two or three laps to get a rhythm. They're going green white. They do that. Jordy goes into turn one. He kind of slips up off a of two. Uh, another car makes contact with him. The next thing you know, it's a free for all. They come off of uh, four, I think three wide. They're they're banging sheet metal, and out of nowhere, fifth place running. And we'll have to look at my notes. Jamie Maurice, who forgive me, Jamie Maurice, I never heard of you until this race but now i have and i'm proud to, to have seen that event he comes from fifth gets hit kind of i think he hits somebody gets hit right as he's get to the, to the flag land flag stand wins the race the second place car comes across the line backwards and it's all hell from the from there on back. I counted nine cars piling in there on top of them, so more than nine were obviously involved in the accident. It's just a junkyard as they're sliding across and hitting the in, inside wall. What I don't like crashes because they're expensive. But if you're a fan and you and you don't get excited, it's like holy cow! I didn't get excited about that race. Uh, you've got to to check your pulse because it it was a it was a good one. Uh, so good job, Jamie Maurice, for sticking down to the bottom of of the racetrack and getting it done there at Sanoa. And if I don't know if we have that on on flow on the replay, I think we do. But his um, post race interview after like every third sentence was like woo. I mean, it was he was like woo. I want it. I mean, it was, it, it, it was, it was classic. It, it's, it's one of, it's one of the best of the year. If, if you, if you ask me, so go back and check that out on our, on our uh, video, a library there at flow racing. If you, if you haven't gotten a chance to see that, you will not be disappointed. All you have to watch is like, I think 29 seconds of it. I was what I actually backed it up at that moment and recorded it on my phone and sent it to my brother. I'm like, Holy sh- holy cow you gotta see this so it's it's <laughs> it, good stuff it was definitely an exciting finish i was watching it i had just just got to the uh tower uh where i was watching from in time to see it the last the read that last restart there and i'm glad i did because that was one of the craziest finishes i've ever seen and uh definitely dramatic and as you said he was he was fired up to win it it was pretty cool to see um and i will i'll go ahead and jump in and do my one more thing there i'm gonna go back to Sonoa and mentioned just how uh, impressive that event was. Um, I, I know it's, this was kind of mentioned a lot because um, it was such an impressive thing, but over 100 campers uh, in the parking lot, um, paid campsites, and I, I was one of them, had my RV there and my family uh, camping out. Um, uh, over over 60, I think, total car super late models that actually in, uh, competed on the weekend with 65 cars. The, the, the thing, there were 63 on Friday, and it dropped down a little bit, but in total, over 65, a couple of new guys came in on Saturday while some left. Uh, you had 40 
uh, 41602s on Friday, and then I think they had, I think I heard uh, 40 exactly, 604s on Saturday, which uh, kind of, you know, 602s had a, a tough time and kind of um, slowed down the show a little bit, uh, unfortunately, but but otherwise, just really a, a big event and, of course, a good tur- uh, fan turnout despite it getting down to, I, I think I looked at one point on Saturday night and I, my phone showed that it was like 34 degrees. So um, our, our discussion last week on uh, how to keep warm at the racetrack came, came in handy for sure. I was layered up uh, for that one. But all in all, it was a great weekend for uh, the Pollards there at Sonoma Raceway. Um, awesome to see, as I said before, somebody from the southeast here and not too far from that track. It's about four hours from from, uh, from my home. Um, I'm really excited to see where that event and the track itself, where it goes, and as they continue to grow uh, and expand um, what's going on there at Sonoma Raceway. It's really exciting to see. Uh, Kevin, what do you got for one more thing? Uh, I know last week the World of Outlaws, they finished off, they put out the balance of their schedule for uh, 2022. They'd put out their uh, their biggest events earlier, uh, about a month earlier, but now they filled it in with everything else. And uh, we sort of talked about a little bit in Fast Talk. And there's one, uh, I mentioned a couple races that stood out to me. And I I forgot to even mention one other one that uh, I look back now and I'm like, uh, I see it's on on, uh, August 21st, Sunday, August 21st. They run at uh, Outlaws Go to Tri-City Raceway Park. At, in Franklin, Pennsylvania, and that's uh, not, you know, not the, it's not the biggest known Tri-City Speedway, probably, that would probably be a go to the uh, Granite City, Illinois, uh, Tri-City in the country, but uh, it, it is a track that, I mean, I, it's the first time the Allies will been, be there since 2010, and I remember spending five, I think, years in a row when I was with the Outlaws, uh, uh, just going there on every Labor Day weekend for their uh, two-day show that they had for the World of Outlaws Late Models, and and it, it had at one point it was really becoming a pretty good event for the uh, for the track. I mean, there was a the parking lot was filled with with campers. It was just a really you know it seemed like it was really a fun uh, holiday weekend show, and then it and went away after 2010. Uh, so, and the track has, you know, been up and down since then, hasn't really, uh, established itself with, uh, with, a you know, uh, any big events like this. So good to see them back. I mean, it just brings a little nostalgia back to me, I guess. Uh, can't believe it's been now 11 years since, since I was there for a race, uh, with the outlaws, but they'll be back there in August and, and hopefully, uh, having a big show like that will uh, you know, get, get Tri-City Pennsylvania back on the map. There you go. A lot of interesting, uh, interesting uh, events there as the Outlaws uh, filled out the rest of their schedule. Will be uh, another big year for them. Uh, a lot going on next year in 2022, as we've talked a lot about. And uh, with the season winding down, we'll have a, another chance to talk uh, more about it in the off season. What little bit there is. But for now, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the podcast. Appreciate everyone listening, and we'll be back again to do it next week. Mm-hmm.